Hello. Hi. Hi. And welcome to Praise Dionysus. Praise, Praise him. him. Ooh. for our listeners. Um, uh, today, we're going to be talking about A Very Naughty Christmas by Woodward Productions, Dubious Intent by Lonely Heart Theatre Company, All the Rest at Theatre Works, and Jasmine by Robert Sturrock. Very excited. Oh my god. Uh, 2024, here we are. Indeed, take let's, that. Let's do it. Okie dokie. James. Hi, Jake. Hello. How are you? Me? I'm fine. How are you? I'm so good. Here we are. It's <laughs> yes. another year. It is. It's happened again. We made it. Uh-huh. No one believed in us. <laughs> we proved them all Always trying to tell people that you're an underdog so that what you achieve seems impressive. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I need every help I can get. Um... <laughs> How was your... How, how are you? We haven't seen each other for a hot minute. Uh, no, we've physically seen each other. We, we have, but for the purpose of the listeners. Oh, sure, yeah. We haven't been, like, recording our dumb voices for quite some time. It's yeah. been, like, a month-ish, I guess. I would say so. Yeah, yeah so is... if we sound wiser or... Or the other option, which is also... <laughs> Pretty. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> might be a lot of monosyllables. <laughs> I think we might be a little rusty. Rust? We're oh. gonna... Hey... Bear with us, guys. Ah! <laughs> oh, God! Let the bear in. Oh, my God. Um, there's um, no bear in here. Although we will be going to Midsummer Carnival soon, so there'll be a few bears there. That's... Oh, my God, how droll. Thank you. Yes, yes. Uh, yep. How are you enjoying your new year so far, Jake? Um, It's... Oh, my God. Ups and downs. Very... To, to, a, <laughs> to an extent that I'm recovering from several different whiplashes. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, it's happening for sure. Do you want to take us through a journey of some of those ups and downs? <laughs> some of the downs I'm not ready to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to tell our listeners. <laughs> but there's no positive things have happened. Um, I went to Tasmania with tall Canadian man. That looked beautiful. It was really nice. It was incredible. It was just, I just, I spent the whole thing just like, he was driving because I cannot and will not <laughs> for everybody's safety. It's a metal death box. Why would you want to drive? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. You've seen the things that I've seen. I'm not getting behind that wheel. What have you seen? I've seen a bunch of stuff. Yeah, but like what? I, James... You want to discuss traffic trauma? Sort of. Is that what you want to kick the new year okay, off okay, with? Okay, yeah, okay, I get it. Let's move on. Um, but yes, so he was driving and I was just like gasping at every corner we turned. It was just like, Tasmania doesn't exist. It's like, it's the whole thing is just so like tranquil and beautiful and just empty. There's no one there. That's so it's like lovely. even Hobart felt like the Docklands. It was just like, there's no one there. Oh my God, that's gorgeous. <laughs> it was heaven. And just like, everything's just so like, just like natural and beautiful. The How whole long were you there for? I was there for like four days. Mm. And it was just, and in that time, I feel like we covered so much of it, mm. and it was just bliss. The whole thing, it was just like, it's like I don't know. I feel like with the like the, the volume and pace and I don't know rage and stuff in my brain, it was just like, it was like I feel like for that reason, there's something primal about my desire to find something tranquil to experience and to try to like, I don't know, throw like the sizzling hot ball of myself into like a cool body of water to like have it sizzle down a bit and like. Yeah, and I feel like Tasmania felt like a location where that type of thing felt almost feasible. Yeah, but you know? isn't their slogan like, come down and breathe the air? 
I, isn't that the traveling slogan? I I don't know. I don't spend a lot well, of time. It sounds like you've experienced that. I, yeah, I wish I had my finger more on the pulse of different places trying to like lure tourists into it. Well, Victoria's the su- no Queensland's the Sunshine State. But is that what they use to like like? I think it's don't we go through like faces? Is, are you just talking number plates? Yes, yeah. that's what you're. So you're not you're not talking about like tourism commercials. I think Come Down and Breathe the Air is ta- one of Tasmania's like actual tourism things. But then I was just going to go through number plates. Like New South Wales is like we're here, and then Victoria's like the Garden State. And then we have not been in the Garden State in almost two decades. What are we now? Uh, we were on the move for a while, oh. and then the Education State occurred. Oh, that's right. I don't know what we are currently, but I can't. Believe, I don't think we've looped back to the Garden State, the Lockdown State. Oh, where with pride? Where with pride? Oh my god! Uh, um, so Tasmania was good. Incredible, beautiful. I can't lovely. wait to go back. It I would sounds... love to go. I've never been. Yeah, no, I'm highly recommend. We should it. go to Dark Mofo together. Quack 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 um, quack. Sure, I suppose that is an option. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, what's something that happened in your Gulf of Time? Uh, ooh, um, but that, that that nebulous time between Christmas and New Year's was so lovely. It was just Flynn and I, my partner. Oh, yeah. Is this something that developed over Christmas? Yeah, between Christmas and New Year's, I found a lover. Oh, and it feels like we've been together for two and a half years. Uh huh. Um, and we just relaxed because just recovering from Christmas, because you know Christmas is just a big emotional time for everybody. So we just spent the entire like five days or so just at home doing. Nothing, which was gorgeous. We were to say fuck all. I was about to say fuck you all. You worried it would sound myself. too sexual? Uh, <laughs> no, nothing could sound too sexual for me. Oh, oh. a Kit? Hello, I'm a pussycat. Oh. Meow, meow. That's my Eartha Kit impression. Really good. Thank you. <laughs> Do you want to hear more? No, thank you. Okay. <laughs> um, so that was lovely. Then New Year's happened. Uh, what did you do for New Year's? I was at home reading. Oh my god. And I loved it. That sounds lovely. It was bliss. It was yeah. everything my soul needed. Yeah. It was really good. I'm, Hell yeah. I, yeah, I, I finished reading The Body Keeps the Score, which I know is like a... a <laughs> Some light reading. I was, <laughs> which I know at this point, feels like a, like a tropey, almost predictable thing for a person like me to say. But yeah, and I just unearthed a bunch of stuff and like worked through it a bit and working through it a bit. But it was a really mm. helpful... Yeah, text about like complex PTSD and like trauma and stuff. And I it mean, was... it's, a, it's a famously good book for a reason. Yeah. 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 But you know how so often we're betrayed by that type of... Oh, yeah. You know, it's like everyone loves this book and then it ends up being like, I don't know, I can't think of it, like an atrocious example of a book that betrayed everybody. Go on. Fifty Shades Darker? <laughs> quack, quack, quack. But quack. also, I don't think that counts. Why doesn't that not count? Because it was a sequel. So, uh, so like, d- d- already do not push me into to... my Grease 2 tirade. Do not make me talk about Human Centipede 2. I can talk about I'm sequels not... till the cows get turned into horses <laughs> not by a witch in the sequel? <laughs> <laughs> I, is that the sequel to Into the Woods? The, Where the cow gets turned into... Moo Cow's the... Revenge? <gasps> Why are you gasping like that? That's I a good just, idea. I just, I just... Does the cow die when they cast that spell? No, I think they just milk the cow and it's always done weirdly on stage. And mm. then the cow just sort of wanders off. Move on. I wonder, and I'm also a cow. Um, <laughs> what did I do for New Year's? Thank you for asking. I, I went done talking about the cow. Um, I had a similar, similarly quiet uh, New Year's. I just spent it with Flynn and two of his friends. We did some tarot cards, and then we climbed up onto the roof and watched the fireworks from Carlton. It was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And then, like twelve fifteen rolled around, and his friends were like, "We're going," and then we just went to bed. Okay. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people, a lot of my friends in particular, had like very quiet New Year's, mm-hmm. which I love. Yeah. Oh God, yes. I'm all about being quiet now. Oh. You know what's in? Let's, that's what we can do. Let's do ins and outs for 2024. You're just going to come up with some ins and outs? Yeah, going to round the goddamn spot. Listeners yeah. going to love it. No, go ahead. What's in, James? Uh, being quiet and taking time uh-huh. for yourself. Sure. 
And Jake, what's in for you? Um, oh God, no, I don't know. I, I come on. Um, I no, I think no. I'm in too much of a state of like <laughs> I'm in a whirlpool at the moment, and I think I need February to be my pretend start of the year. Okay, so what's out? Uh what's out? What's nope? Same thing. I'm, wow. I'm I'm in the middle of an ocean, and I need to find some land before I start making any large choices. <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> You deal with that. <laughs> yeah, no, but I'm about to uh, like uh, acquire my new qualifications. So I'm about to become, I, I'll talk about this once it happens. I don't want to jinx anything. Yep. But yeah, I'm about to have a new skill set that I can get money for and stuff. So that's exciting. Um, You're a trained hitman. Uh, yes. Very so exciting. I cannot talk about it. I'm, I'm one of Charlie's angels. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch that. Just like Lucy Liu and, and who are the other two? Drew Barrymore and Cameron Diaz. You replace one of them, but the other two just stay as superstars. I think I'd have to replace... Careful. Oh, uh, no, I'd replace... Honestly, maybe I'd replace Drew just so that she could focus, can, like, still on her very wholesome talk show. But also, maybe does it make more sense if she can balance both, which I'm sure she can. She's Superwoman. Replace Cameron because she doesn't want to act anymore. What if there are just, like, four Charlie's Angels? Like, the three hot ones, and... <laughs> and you. I didn't mean to say that to imply that you're not one of them. You're just... You're no... You're no Lucy Lou. You cunt. I'm not Lucy Lou either. God, I wish I was. And it's the worst thing about you. It's the worst thing about me, hands down. Mm. Um, That's on my Grindr profile. I'm not Lucy Lou, but Mm. I'll be here for you. Yeah, it rhymes, so it's clever. Um, What else, Jake? What else? Um, Oh, my sister got engaged. Oh my God. Which is wild. To a guy that I really like. He seems great. Oh, so that's cool. That's fantastic. Yeah. Congratulations to your sister. Yeah, I'll pass that along to her. Yeah, could you? (laughs) No, no, no. Um, Is that all? Or do we want to like... Do I have anything... No. Can you give you a chunk of time that we just passed through a rating out of five stars? Okay, okay. Uh, I'm going to give it 12. 12 stars. 12 stars. Yeah. No reason. Just it sounds like a good amount of stars. A good sturdy amount of stars to give to a period of time. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. What about you, Jake? I think I'll give mine maybe like 11 stars out of five. Because, not to take us all back to Tasmania, everyone's happy place, but we passed through, like, <laughs> me and Tolkienian man going through this town. Mm. It's called Do Town. <laughs> do Town. It's the town where you don't ask, you just do. You just do. But th- honestly, that could be their, like, registration plate slogan because everything there was a pun. And I hate puns. Oh. Famously loathe puns. But, like, a lot of the houses there, it was just, like, this tiny little, like, beachside, like, cottage town. And, uh, like, all, like, a-, a bunch of the houses had, like, funny names. Like, one was called, like, Doin' Little. Because we're in Dewtown, if you remember. Doing little. Doing little, little. You know? Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And there was like an inn there, and it was called the Dew Drop Inn. Oh, th- oh that's, that works on several Super nice. That's really cute. There was a lo- local doctor called Dr. Doolittle, oh, and there was just up. a wild deer in his front yard. <gasps> Oh my god. It, seemed it sounds magical. Super insane. There was like this large field in the town and it was just like all of these like mismatched, almost like tiny mansions just plonked next to each other. Oh. It really looked like a bunch of rich people were like, you know what, let's just like build our own little secret suburb and live next door to each other. I mean, I hate the rich, but that still sounds adorable. Outside of the richness, yes. So what were you, just really quickly, what were you doing in Tasmania? Like, did you, did you like... Just fucking around. <laughs> yeah, like, did you, did you walk around meadows? Did you, did you like... What, what a lot of frolicking. Doing day to day. Um, oh, going to beaches driving around we went to like a na- like a like a like a nature sanctuary oh. it was just like like looking around for places like do town just like tiny like chunks of magic and it's just full of them oh my god that sounds so good oh my god the sheep i gasped at my god like these like stunning like fucking like like plateaus of grass that then drop into the ocean it's just like the whole thing oh god. it's bonkers the whole thing well i'll need to go 
Sure. Sure. Love, I'd love to. I'll, I'll, I'll share my experiences with you, Jack. Oh, will you? You'll share your experiences with old Cher. Yeah, well, yeah, I walked into that one. You sure did. <laughs> I'm sorry that I walked into you. I recently just, like, I guess rediscovered, but the, the Cher song, Jesse James. What's that one? Just like Jesse James. <laughs> oh, is that a perfect rendition? It's, I know exactly what you mean now. I fully recommend that everyone take it like a, a second and listen to Jesse James by Cher. It Great. may change your world. <laughs> okay, I, I will do that after this. Um, yeah. So, anyways,ies, let's talk about some theatre. I guess so. Okay, that's why we're here. Hello, James. Oh, Hark! What's that I do here? It's Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was sleigh bells in the distance. Sleigh bells? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, (laughs) I don't know what my mind was trying to pitch with that. I like it, though. I think it could be something. Do you think it would be like a hyper-hip, like, 27-year-old teacher who's just dressed her class up as bells for a Christmas pageant? And she yells, sleigh bells! And the kids don't even understand how clever it is what she's just said. Because they're all in year six. Yes. Yes. But I guess TikTok generation, they probably say sleigh more than she does. They're probably done with saying sleigh and she's still hanging on to it and they bully her. What are they saying now instead of sleigh? Fluck yourself! <laughs> Get flecked, bitch! <laughs> yeah, just noises. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're beyond trying to set trends. So I went to... <laughs> I went to the Alex Theatre in St Kilda. Oh, gorgeous. Jealous. Theater. Lovely space. It's, Very jealous. It's so... Have you... Because what have you seen there? Alex Theatre, that's the one... That's like the, the big, beautiful um, one on uh, the main strip there, yep. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Hates me. You hate me. Actively yeah. hate me. I saw a puppet show there. Uh, <laughs> I should have guessed. Yeah. <laughs> Hand to God it was. And it was like um, a oh. sock puppet that gets like possessed by the devil. Fantastic. Or something. Yeah, it was like really, it was really, really good. I've seen something else there. I can't remember what though. Mm-hmm. Um, great space. Great space. What did you, well, tell me about the show that you saw? Um, so I went to see A Very Naughty Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Why was it naughty? <laughs> Um, part of the appeal I have of even like discussing this with you is just I like any time Christmas exists outside of Christmas time. Yeah. I just think it's my favourite time to talk about Christmas. Yeah, like what is it? Christmas in July? Is that like the big one? Is that the big time they do like a big Christmas thing that isn't a big Christmas time? I suppose that's the closest thing to, yeah, some sort of like unofficially outside of Christmas Christmas for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. No, why do you like Christmas outside of Christmas so much? I don't know. It feels, it seems like we've taken a thing and then we've, uh, somehow my mind is going to like, you know, in CSI, they go to a murder scene and they find the body, then they take the body and then they take it into that cold room where like the coroner looks at the body. It's like Christmas around December is the crime scene. But when you take the body to the coroner, that body is Christmas, but the coroner's like office and work area is like March. So did you get that mental health care plan in the end? Oh, well, that's... <laughs> you asked a question. What the fuck did that mean? I'm surprised. <laughs> you stupid bitch. Anyway, so the show itself <laughs> was created by Dan Venz and Alex Woodward. Um, and yeah, went by myself. <laughs> Which is not sad or strange to go to an explicitly erotic Christmas spectacular. <laughs> I mean, it sort of like sounds by like myself. people used to go to like the old naughty cinemas alone. The naughty cinemas, you know, like... Oh, good. So, oh, good. Thank you for not shaming me by comparing my theatrical undertaking to going to one of those masturbatoriums. <laughs> I mean, that's what it... That's all... It, that's what it's serving to me, is all I mean. That's what it's serving? Yeah, that's it's, what it's slaying what to it's, you? It's slaying the boots house down. Um, full disclosure, our pal Shay Debney was in it. Oh! Yeah. 
Beautiful Shay Debney. Beautiful tap dance and Debney. Yes. Oh my God. The only tap dance that's ever almost brought me to tears. <laughs> that of Shay Debney. You haven't seen enough tap. I've love. seen plenty of tap, but Ooh. my God. Yeah. That boy can tap. And do other things, apparently. Some of them. Christmas themed and some of them naughty so I go to see a very naughty Christmas by myself I'm sitting three rows from the front of course um yep um and yeah so the sh- I, I go in and I don't sort of know what to expect in terms of like how far into like the, the sex thing of the whole thing is it going to be leaning mm. how am I going to feel about this this thing happened as seems to always happen when I go to these shows and I talk with this tone that suggests that I'm not going to these shows intentionally. It sounds like I resent these things. They're fun. I just come at them defensively. Yes, <laughs> as you do with most things in your life. It seems every time that I go to one of these shows, whether it's like a like a sexy circus or a naked magician or it's like a, all of these things, um, <laughs> it's like at some point during the pre-show music, there always seems to be that, I'm horny, 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 horny. <laughs> Great song. That was just come to be associated with me feeling like... <laughs> just ah! being pressured into feeling like sexually excited by the show that I'm about to watch. Alone. Well, oftentimes alone. And just... <laughs> I'm sure just sitting there with this like cold look on my face while trying to read like an old classic. Like, it's... That's magnificent. <laughs> I love that song. It's a great song. It's a really good song. <laughs> it's now, been ruined for but, you. That's not even... It's just like now, now it's yeah, come to mean like, oh, Jake, you're in the group of people, all of whom should be rock hard at this point. <laughs> Get your buckets ready. That's it. You're going to be sopping wet in a matter of minutes. <laughs> We're handing out towels at the door. Yeah, you disgusting pigs. <laughs> Here's your sex slop. <laughs> um, approximately like five minutes before the show started. I'll talk about the set quickly because I really loved it. Um, because yeah, it's essentially just like a, it's a, like a tall, beautiful like the, the the space itself. It feels very like classic proscenium, like even the way that the whole the, the venue functions. Mm. Um, yeah, the space is so nice, and yeah, just like big classic proscenium, big old rectangle of a stage. Either side are like two staircases leading up to the upper balcony that exists on the stage. Ooh. On that balcony, there's a band. Like they oh. came out like five minutes before and started like tuning their instruments. It was like. And that was this nice moment of like, you thought you were just here to see like a sexy sex Santa show, and there's a band. There's a band on how stage. How classy! That's really lovely. What yeah. sort of like like how big is the band? What sort of band I'd say it was, I think like between three to five people. Oh yeah, lovely. Yeah, yeah. They're so talented, mm. really great musicians, and just having them up there, it added some class to the whole thing. Yeah, it would have. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, <laughs> it's time for some 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 classy smart. Classy smart. Classy smart. Yes, yes, yeah. Like when a porn star plays a teacher. <laughs> or a politician Is that what it's like? It's probably not like that at probably all Probably not like that I What's think it's more like Porn Star Awards Well it's Classy Smart Something more like Stranger by the Lake Something that's like No I think Classy Smart Is more like uh, a, Like a filmed uh, Pornographic movie As opposed to like A filmed porno scene You oh, know like, what I mean? Oh like eating out Two sloppy seconds <laughs> <laughs> No Another of my favourite sequels oh, God I hate you I'm thinking more like um, Like you know Like a, like, like a French like has a story there's porn involved but it's not the main point do you mean porn involved or like sex involved porn okay so it's still explicitly porn porn, it's it's just like a narrative heavy pornography yeah 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 that's classy that's That's classy classy (laughs) I'm glad to flag that that for you is classy oh that's class oh god yeah oh god yeah with multiple camera angles not of the porn but of the dialogue that's class you're one of those people that thinks Frasier is really smart television (laughs) yeah and they're doing a sequel I'm really excited Um, but yes, so that's that's how it sort of like begins to feel. It's like, oh, it's a bit elevated. It's a bit of class. There's a bit of like musicianship going on. Like this is fun. Um, yeah, and then the show starts, and so <laughs> and then they drop buckets of cum onto the stage. 
and they make people dance. That's right. And beneath the the uh, the, the tall like uh, platform upon which the band is, mm. under that there's like a curtain. So it's almost like they have a little stage inside the oh, stage. Oh, great. Which I just think is so nice. It's, all, it's always so lovely, isn't it? Oh, and it is this... about a stage and a stage that's so, like, sweet and lovely and just charming. I don't... I think there's something almost like... Algorith- not even algorithmic. It's like it's almost like an equation, I think, of like, the stage itself is so exciting. And there's another one! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be your I think, I think that's part of it. I think there's something fun about the idea of like... The, the mechanics of theatre introducing almost like an echo of the mechanics of theatre. Yeah, right. That's kind of fun. Um, and I think too, even just like the, the basic thing of like, it po- like provides an opportunity to be surprising. Like in itself, it's like that curtain can shut and then open and it can be a whole new thing. And there can still be stuff going on on stage. Yeah, it's just like this like yeah. mystery box of surprises. Yeah, fun. Yeah, Love. something. Um, yeah, I'd say they're my answers to your question. That's great. Those are some good answers. Thank you. Um, yeah, and so then the show starts and then there's this cast of seven people and the show is really just kind of like, <laughs> it's great. It's like just a series of kind of like, Little skits, little, like, little, like, conversation-y things. It's a bit of, like, a... I was going to say Carols by Candlelight, but I don't want to, like, rub that in the dirt. Not that this is dirt, but Carols by Candlelight <laughs> cannot be the opposite. Like, yeah. There's, like, Carols by Candlelight is somehow so unsexual that yes. anytime something even vaguely sexy happens during Carols by Candlelight, it's like, this is not oh, the God. place for that. It feels wrong. <laughs> um, it, I, the, yeah. only, the only thing of um, Carols by Candlelight I tuned into... Oh, no, it wasn't Carols by Candlelight. It was, what, what do they do in Sydney? They Carols do, in the Domain. Carols in the Domain. It was, like, the three wise men. Mm. Of, that's all I tuned into, and I was like... While these are fabulous musical performers, this is one of the most sexless things I have ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, it just, no matter how handsome they are, it just feels like I could not be horny to this if I really tried. <laughs> not to be, <laughs> bring gay into everything. But, but you're you, gonna try. Do you think that's why Anthony Kalia is such a star of Carols by Candlelight? Because, I don't know, with Carols and Christmas being so Catholic, mm. like Christian, mm. Anthony Kalia, of course, being like a proud, wonderful, hyper-talented gay man. Yeah. And he and his like partner are permitted to like be so central to the way that show functions. Like he and Tim are so famously a part of that, despite... Tim. Tim Campbell. Your friend Tim. His partner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but them, despite being like a gay couple, are permitted to be a, like amongst carols by candlelight because of how unsexual it is in the same way that like oh, gay yeah. people, especially gay men, I'd say, can exist as they have like in like the 80s and 90s, like on television, in sitcoms, those sorts of things. As yeah. long as there was nothing sexual about what they were doing. As long as they were just kind of like, oh, I have a quip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I live down the hall. <laughs> but that's interesting. But they I can never about they that. can never kiss anybody. They can never have sex with anybody. They can't talk about going on dates. I guess it and is stuff. the ultimate palatable gay man situation, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, that's interesting. I haven't thought I've never really watched much Carols by Candlelight, so I can't really weigh in. Oh. No. But uh yeah, that's Annual tradition in the goddamn Stewart household. Oh, is it really? It is. Rob Mills was not on it this year. So no know. one was devastated. <laughs> Except for Jake. Except for Jake. <laughs> Who had been holding out all year. He had his little Rob Mills t-shirt on. Uh, and they kept making jokes about his absence. And oh. I was like, how about you rub salt in a different wound, you piece of shit? <laughs> so naughty Christmas. A very naughty Christmas occurred. Um, and, uh, yeah, do you have any questions? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, yeah, like, what were the, what were the acts? Were the, was it like, in my head, I'm imagining, like, it's almost like a circus show, but, like... Christmas themed. Scrap the circus. Okay. It's more of like a like a song thing. It's oh like a yeah, yeah. Series yeah. of songs, but also like musical performances. Like they're all at least appear to be like very musical theatre trained. How do they make it naughty? Um. Well, there were like moments of like 
nudity, implied nudity, a lot of like sexy talk, like even with everyone getting introduced at the start, that was, that was, from the get-go, it was like, here's this cast member, here's like an off-color joke about them. It was that type of thing. Which is when I realized, and it's a thing I've realized before, but it really hit home, like the moment that Jordan Tweak came out and they painted her as being like mad at a child once in her recent past, um, it was really obvious, like, oh, if you just show me, like, a beautiful, talented woman and tell me that she's mean, I'm gonna be her, like, biggest fan. <laughs> that's because you're a homosexual. <laughs> that's, that's all that is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I get that. Mm. I, I see a mean woman, I'm like, slay. Yeah. Mother. It's like, you have every right to be mad, and what's, I will support you to the end of the world. What's the saying? She's serving a, 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 a cunter... A counter quake on the mother meter, on the mother on the Richter scale. On the I don't scale. watch drag media. Yeah. Is this from drag things? No, it's from gay people online. I'm trying to catch up. It's okay. It's all right. It's okay. Okay. It's the running running joke that gay people can't just like give a regular compliment. It ha- always has to be like she's serving a counter counter scram on the fucking slumper meter. <laughs> fucking, I'm having a stroke. Yeah, it does. It sounds a little that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, and there was the jingle balls, there's a pun course, that occurs. Of course, <laughs> Um, there was a strip tease to You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, Ooh. which was a high point. It was actually really good. Yeah. I say actually as if it would be surprising. This show was really good. Everyone in the show was super duper talented. Oh and like God. sold this thing, which is like an odd thing to try selling, you know? Horny Christmas time, it's peculiar. Was it the Grinch doing a strip tease? No, it was just like two of the performers, um, yeah. Okay. Strip teasing. That's a, that's a sexy song when you think about it. That's, yeah. yeah. It really snakes up on you. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah. If anything, yeah, the Grinch needs to be sexualized. Did you, did you, did you feel yourself getting a little bit... <laughs> I'm actually not going to discuss, like, <laughs> discuss horniness with you. Why but not? No, no, I think, no, I think too much of me was like, <laughs> no, I, Jake, don't let yourself think about if you got aroused during a very <laughs> naughty Christmas. You pop a stiffy? <laughs> <laughs> what? It's a naughty Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you... <laughs> Did you get a candy cane going? Ooh. This sweet thing kept occurring. Because you know how, like, beautiful Shay Debney is, like, quite short and delightful? Yes. yes. Nice While being way. a very, like, dark and intellectual man. Quack, but can quack. Re- quack, quack. But can read as, like, a like a tiny, handsome oh, doofus. Yes. Oh, yeah. So he was playing, like, this elf the entire time. And there was, like, oh. this recurring thing where they were, like, blaming him for stuff or, like, worrying about little oh. Shay the elf. That's that was just a very well, sweet illusion. Was he a munchkin in Wizard of Oz? He was a munchkin in the Wizard of Oz. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's great carryover. That's... <laughs> That's, sure. I like that. Well, no, he's capitalizing upon his height. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. God, it was just so great to see him on stage. Uh, Tim Page played like a sexy Santa. Oh yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about sexy Santas? I have in the past few years come around to the idea of a sexy Santa a lot more. I never used to be into a sexy Santa, mm-hmm. and the reason for that, I've done some unpacking about this, is I was always attracted to younger people, like mm. my age. Mm. Um, and so, if there was a sexy Santa that I would want, would be hypothetically interested in, it would be like a young person dressed as Santa, which for me is nothing. But now in the past year or so, I very much have come around to like older men mm-hmm. and I'm into a sexy Santa. Okay. Give me a, give me a, like a, like, but give me a sexy, I don't want like a ripped Santa. I want like dad bod, like beer belly, like big, big Santa is what I want. Okay. So I'm into it. So what sort of Santa? Well, then maybe Tim was too conventionally handsome for your taste. Damn it, Tim! Yes, but, but yeah. Um, but is there anything specific about the role of Santa that like adds to his appeal? Oh God, yeah. Is like, it his the power? Ultimate, it's the ultimate daddy thing, isn't it? It's like he's the yeah. one coming and giving gifts and like. Is that the appeal of the daddy thing? Is that the, he can like provide things for you? No, no. I think it's more like with 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 the Santa analogy. I think it's mm. like he can give gifts or he can give punishment. Like it's it's. Oh, that's really inbuilt in Santa for you. Oh God, yeah. He because yeah. he he like 
either does or doesn't give you a gift, which is like, you've been bad or you've been good. Uh-huh. You know, that's hot. Okay. Like, that's inherently sexually a turn on. Oh, I always forget about Santa's desire to have you be good. Oh, yeah. Oh. That's part of the song, isn't it? Yeah. He knows when you've been bad or good. And so you're be gonna good, fuck your bum. That's the song. Yeah, that's the song. Um, what, do you, what do you think of a sexy Santa? I, excluding the sexy Santa you just saw in the show. I moment. seldom do think of a sexy Santa. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cast your mind back to a time when you've been thinking about a sexy no, Santa. No, I think, I don't know, I think the Santa has always been so like sexless and weird. Like, I think he's just a, a, an absurd looking creature. Like, no one looks... Maybe I was just around really cheap Santa Clauses when I was young. You got yeah. You need to get online. I don't know if I need to for yeah, this purpose. Well, you want to research sexy Santa. But I just think I think the the major Santas that I was exposed to as a child was always like an uncle dressed yes. in like a cheap beard and like an ill fitting suit that he had to throw away after using it. Yeah, luckily I. By the time I got to an age where I could remember things, we had stopped doing that in my family, so I don't have the family link to Santa, which I think is an important thing to say. I guess it's... I don't even think it's family necessarily for this instance, because as well, I, in my mind too, even those ones that you would get photographed with as a child at a shopping centre, oh, they yeah. always read as, like, so character looking. Like, no one has a beard like that. Like, those beautiful, like... Fucking like, what's her name? There's like Bernadette Peters curls in <laughs> their beards. Like, no beards look that way. Sure. They just... He, he seemed a bit superhuman for me to... I don't know, if I were to be attracted to him or to foster a sexual appetite for someone like that, I would also be one of those people that is really into, like, like cartoon porn. <laughs> Why you... Because you're into... <laughs> Why aren't you into cartoon porn? What do you mean? I think it has to do with Santa Claus. <laughs> I'm putting my hand up firmly in favour of cartoon porn. I am not shocked by this. <laughs> you recently played Dungeons and Dragons with your family. <laughs> don't mention the Family. No, never mind their connected thoughts. Let's move on, shall we? <laughs> um, but overarchingly, of course, I was very impressed and like super into this entire thing. Part of what it got me thinking about was the potential need for us to have like it just made me start concocting this idea of like almost having to have like an annual like rit- ritualistic like sex purge. Like there was something <laughs> about like the merging of Christmas, like the annual celebration of Christmas, and the way that it unites everyone under these banners of like. Family and happiness and generosity. You know, the, the idea that this holiday has values ascribed to it. Mm. And it happens every year and we all come together and celebrate these things. But something about like adding this sex element to it and having everyone in this room together thinking about sex and being horny and just like <laughs> this. And th- these people being on stage being like, look at my body. In a very dignified, truly, yeah, really Gorgeous impressive way. way. Stunning, talented people capitalizing upon how beautiful they are. Yeah. Yeah, which they should do more of. It's great. Oh, God, um, yeah. That's always yeah. been my go-to. My God. Um, but, yeah, the idea of us all coming together with this, like, I'm horny. Horny, horny, horny. Just like, okay. Like, it felt a bit like church in the way of, like, instead of coming here for, like, for, you know, Jesus to forgive us for our sins, we're coming here to be, like, a bit titillated and then, like, go home and, like, kiss our girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for how that sounded that in my mouth. Um, but um, the idea of like, what if there were like a version of Christmas that were uh, like, a, like, like a sex version of Christmas that would happen in like July. And the idea what would be like, you, yeah, what do you think that would entail? I guess, I don't know if you carry over anything from Christmas at all, but like, so you're the, just proposing just, a sex party. It's not a sex party. Something with a bit, I think inherent to it is like an absence of shame. There's something to it. In like, and that's why it almost goes to like the purge idea of like with a capital P, like from the franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Purge 2 is the best Purge movie. Let's not get hung up on We've it. We've spoken about that before. <laughs> and the idea of there being like 
a respected, embraced way that we're like, okay, like we come together in July. There's some sort of like group celebration. There's a performance a la A Very Naughty Christmas mm. that is intended to get everyone riled up and horny. And then, I don't know, I guess you like you either take to the streets or you go home to like a group of people that you enjoy having sex with. And that's what you do for like the evening. And then maybe you have like a nice dinner afterwards. And I mean, it's, that, that's a lovely idea. You know, you and you could also in, just go to Wet on Wellington. You could do that, but it doesn't have this sense of like out of the shadows, group catharsis. Yeah. It doesn't have these things. That a very naughty Christmas had me thinking about. It's a great idea. It's a great idea. It'll never happen. It's a great idea. It's yeah, but I don't know. It just felt like a thing that could be healthy for a community. I don't know, and that's where a very naughty Christmas got me. Interesting. What would it be called? Oh, I don't know. I haven't gotten that far yet. The Spurge. Or even like Dark Christmas. <laughs> like, <laughs> but also, no. That adds a level of We've shame to it. decided there's no Christmas. But if you, if you scoops together enough, like, Bible references to suggest that this is what, like, you know, this is what Jesus wanted for us in the first place. Oh, yeah, we can make that happen. You can cobble together enough readings to be like, ah, the time has come again, says the horny priest. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's the one time of year that they're allowed to have sex with people. Oh, I'm, yeah, that's And that fun. could save a lot of children. Let's not get into what drives priests. <laughs> R.I.P. George Pell. Oh my God, let's not talk about George R. R. Pell. R.I.P. Hey, you know... Stop offering him posthumous peace. No. 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 <laughs> you want him to be at peace. He's just, he's earned the rest. This was meant to be just a one-line joke, but this has now spiralled a little bit further than I'm comfortable continuing on. Well, that's what happens when you trigger a person, James. <laughs> Things get messy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I regret... Uh, Hong Kong. <laughs> anyway, praise be to horny Jesus. Um, this was a really wonderful time at the theatre. They've been doing the show for, what is it, seven years now. Oh, wow. So, yeah, and it's beautiful because it's like part of what's great about it, even just as a functional theatrical thing. You can just like, you can like rotate out any cast mm. member that like wants to stop doing it, wants to start doing it, like oh. that type of thing. Like it's so just like, you can change the numbers, which I imagine they've been doing. It's like, it's just like a concept that you can do so much with. It's very exciting. I love that. I love that idea for a show. Yeah. 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 See you with the Spurge. See you at the Spurge. Yeah. The Spurge is what I'm naming that festival. Oh, okay. See you at the Spurge. Mm. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, I went to the Butterfly Club. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, it's been a while since I've been to the Butterfly Club, so it yeah. was very nice to go back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, went along and saw Dubious Intent. Oh. A show which finally poses the question, can writers ever be friends? Oh. Mm. <laughs> okay. Is Okay, that's a question that's been on your mind. Uh, it's a question this show answered. Or t- oh. oh. Well, this, this show... Is that a question that you'd pondered before? N- yeah. No. But I just think it's like... Can writers be friends? You know, like, are dancers even humans? Like, this sort of questions. Questions that you're picking at random. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what's the difference between lava and magma? You know? One's above ground and one's underground. Well, there's one question answered. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, so, um, uh, written by Callum O'Mara, directed by Callum O'Mara and Luca Catalano, mm-hmm. uh, starring Ned Mathers and Brody McCarthy. Oh, a bit of a two-hander. Two-hander it was. It was downstairs at the Butterfly Club. Mm-hmm. It's again, a space I hadn't been to for a little bit. Yeah. Um, Do you keep bringing that up because you want me to ask why you've been avoiding the Butterfly Club? Not at all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just weirdly telling the story. I'm just painting the picture of where I went. I went with my... <laughs> yeah. Of where you went and when you last went there. Yeah! And the important. distance between it's the two. It's important so people know my, know my story. 
I, I want Which at the end of story. the day is what this is all about. Yeah, it's your story. Etched, yeah, etched in, etched in the sound waves of infinity. <laughs> um, I went with my friend Amanda, uh-huh. and we got dumplings beforehand. Oh, delicious! <laughs> a lot of detail in this landscape you're painting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I ran into um, our friends uh, Patrick and Ash. Don't just tell me that I'm friends with them. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Ran yeah. into them like at the dumpling places. They were going to see a show as well, so it was just like a nice. Oh, what a night for theatre. Mm-hmm. Um, so we walk on in. Um, sitting on down. Uh, and the show begins. Cool. So it is, um, yeah, two-hander with uh, Brody playing Mike and Ned playing Jamie. Mm. Uh, two writers mm-hmm. um, who are coming together and they're studying at the library. Mm-hmm. So the set is just like a table with two laptops and then a few little bits and bobs. And we hear from behind us <laughs> um, voice of someone just having a loud conversation. And down the stairs clumps Ned. Yep. Uh, as as Mike and, and as Jamie, sorry, and he wanders on in. Move on, wander. Yes, on the phone, uh, and he's having a conversation with someone. We don't really know who it is, but he's sort of talking about like Europe and writing, and these ex- and, and and his plans to travel and his plans to write. And he sits down. He has like more of this one-sided conversation, and then once it's done, in walks Birdie as Mike. Yeah, and so they sit down, and then the rest of the show is essentially just a long-form conversation between the two of them about uh, various things, but mainly about their different approaches to writing. Mm-hmm. And what their... sort of writers are they? So they're studying writing at the moment. Mm. Uh, Mike wants to be like an editor of a magazine, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Jamie seems to enjoy writing poetry and writing more from the heart. Okay. So it's it's a conflict of uh, the studious the studious writer who wants to write for efficiency's sake and get the most things written he can in the timelines and the deadlines and tick all the boxes, uh, whereas Jamie just wants to write from the heart. And it's Apollo and Dionysus. It's Apollo and Oh my God. Yeah, I've read some books. <laughs> I've never read a book. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's mostly about a clash of these two approaches to writing. Um, so they're fighting about writing? Well, they're sort of... The discussion is... Mike wants them to move to New York. Yep. Jamie sort of seems on board to move to New York at first, but as the show progresses, we sort of see that there are some doubts about whether they can go to New York, why they even want to go to New York. A lot of the show is about why we want to move to New York. Okay. Uh, to, to be writers over there. Yep. Uh, and, so, and the whole show is one long conversation. Yeah. So it's all real time. It's all real time. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's great to watch these two have an argument. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there was one moment. So initially, I sort of imagined they were like best buds. Mm. And I think they were. But at one point early on, um, Mike asks Jamie if he can have some of his coffee. And Jamie like just s- op- takes the lid off the takeaway coffee and just like really spits directly into the coffee and then gives it to him. Which is just like an immediate, oh, they're fighting. And then from then on, I j- it just was this very obvious fight. And I didn't believe that they were friends more okay. than they were just accomplices that wanted to use each other to get further in the writing world. And I'm not sure if that's what the show is meant to convey, but that's what I saw it as. Okay. Yeah, so I'm just going to list off a few of the bits that, I really, that really hit me and I really quite enjoyed. There was mm. a moment... Um, so... Uh, Mike is trying to sort of paint the picture of travelling to New York to Jamie to sort of get him back on board to this plan that he seems to have of them moving and living together in New York and becoming these writing successful billionaires. Mm. And so this otherwise very naturalistic show, all of a sudden uh, he looks out to the audience and the light changes and some jazz music starts and he starts like going on this beautiful tangent and painting like 
We're gonna go to the bar. We're gonna sit at the bar. There'll be our favorite band playing. We'll get a drink. We'll drink until 5 a.m. And just this really fun, fabulous sort of image of what life in New York could be. And I was like, for a moment, pulled into that 20-year-old... For, for the record, these characters are 20 years old. I feel like that's important to note. I'll add that to the record. <laughs> it's important to note. Um, <laughs> I was sort of pulled into this, like, optimistic 20-year-old mindset of... If I just move to this place, then all my problems will be solved. And that I that I know we have all felt at some point in our lives. I wanted to just move to London when I was younger and just start dreaming there. And I if just, I move to Tasmania, I won't be mentally ill anymore. That's not how it works. <laughs> but it's a great idea. <laughs> Thank I think you. you should move to Tasmania. Do it. Um, but you know that sort of like very, very young idea of... I'm just going to save up and move here and be a writer there and, and pursue my dreams. And some people really do it. And it works. Lots of people that really do it end up coming back with great experiences. And a lot of people like me don't ever do it. Um, <laughs> and there's nothing you can do about that. Nothing I can do about it. I can never <laughs> fix it. I'm 28 now. I might as well be dead. Um, yeah, the two of them are really, really watchable together. Mm-hmm. They had this really beautiful chemistry as, like, friends on the surface, but burbling resentment underneath for different reasons. You know, like Jamie resents Mike because Mike is so on top of his work and getting more work done. Mm -hmm. Mike resents Jamie because he's so like loose and free and he's just able to sort of follow his heart with his writing and not be bogged down by deadlines. Mm -hmm. Um, Jamie's more of like a a bro, full on lad. Absolute, like every second line had a bro in it. Every pose he pulls is like legs spread, chilling out. Um, whereas Mike is a little more queer-coded in that he's just quiet, reserved, and nerdy, and quite anxious. There was this wonderful, another really fabulous moment was, um, Brody, there's this moment where Mike, sorry, I'm getting my words mixed up, Jamie lies down to sort of put some music in and relax for a second because he's getting a bit overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Mike then steals his book to sort of see the poetry that he's been writing because Jamie refuses to read it. So Mike then reads this poetry in the corner of the stage and we see this one moment where this sort of like, like Salieri hearing Mozart's music, he just sort of has this beautiful like envy and shock sort of spread across his face in this really believable and really like, it was lit by this red light. And I didn't know that one moment it was just like, oh Brody, I just, I, I just, that one moment really just made me feel stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, when you sort of see work that someone's done, you just feel innately jealous and you cannot figure out why and you hate that feeling. I just watched it all spread across Brody's face in a few seconds and I just thought that was a very impressive And it reminded you of when you felt that way or it was just effective stage stuff? Uh, a bit of both. Like, uh, this effective stage stuff, obviously, but just it reminded me of, yeah, when I've sort of looked at things that my friends have done that I've been incredibly jealous of and then had to sort of wrestle with those feelings and, and push that jealousy down and push it aside for, like, being proud of my friends and, mm-hmm. you know... Like, the initial reaction versus what you then act on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not jealous of you. <laughs> no, just... I'm envisioning that you're watching Ash Hastings having... She's presented you with this beautiful wedding cake she's just made to enter into <laughs> a wedding cake contest. And you, like, bite your fist. Oh. And you're like, God, she's done it again. God, she's good at making cakes. <laughs> and you swallow all that rage and you're like... Beautiful work, Ash. That cake's lovely. <laughs> so you do know exactly what I'm talking about. That's exactly it. <laughs> That's so funny. And then, in, in to sort of contrast with that, from the jealousy, we go over to the reality of, of Mike's actual poetry that he then sort of reads out for Jamie a little bit. 
Um, wrong way around, Jamie reads out for Mike. <laughs> Why aren't you capable of internalizing? I don't know! Okay. I don't know, I'm so sorry. Um, so Jamie reads his poetry out for Mike. Uh, and what, because, um, you know, on the surface he's this aloof, fun guy. He then reads out this poem that's just like so depressing and so grim. And it's all about like, if I don't achieve these things that I want to do, what if I'm just swallowed up by this wave of nothing and then my life is just nothing for the rest of it. Mm. And one of the lines was like, if I just let the mundane win. And I just, I don't know, that one line sort of um, stuck with me a little bit in terms of, because I very much have felt that recently. And just the idea of if you don't push yourself to like travel, to go to New York, to do these things, to write, to, to do whatever it is, then what if your life is just swallowed up by an office job or like gray mundanity and that's just it for the rest of your life which I think is a very relatable early 20s thought that I thought they captured really really well in that moment um yeah and then just watching um Ned actually crumple from this overinflated puffed up bro into this like very tender and and um vulnerable poet for a second was like just yep yeah, very well handled from him on stage, I thought. Mm-hmm. And then in contrast to that, one of my favourite lines in the show was when he tells Mike that he's got a boner for his work as, like, a compliment. Which is just such, like, a straight lad way of putting it. That I, just, I just love that line. I've got a boner for your work, bro. If I said that I have a boner for your work, Jake, would you be, uh, would you feel complimented? I'd be a little bit flummoxed and then get hung up on the word choice. Mm. Um, and then I'd continue living. <laughs> Good to know that you'd go. I think that's a great line. Okay. <laughs> I just really like that line. Sure. Another line that I really liked was also in Ed's special, uh, which was when he was like, they were sort of talking about how their, their work ethic differs and how um, Mike is always like going to bed on time and, and being in the library at the right times. But then um, Jamie says, I was on the Charlie last night. <laughs> just say that he was on cocaine. And I just find it so funny when someone calls cocaine Charlie. I just, Is that a thing people call cocaine? In like the 70s. Oh. Yes. <laughs> they call it Charlie. Like, yeah, it was on the Charlie. Like, it's very that. I just thought it was very, coming out of this like, 20 year old characters saying I was on the Charlie last night I just yeah that's funny yeah. why is it called that because see it's like the, it's a code way of saying cocaine without like letting people know you know I just recently learned about the Colombian flu okay which is when you have like you, you've got the sniff from doing too much cocaine oh yeah yeah I did not know that that's fun yeah yeah, yeah. so okay. on the Charlie but I think it's a much older term so I just it sort of took me a little bit of back to be like well you're 20 years old hmm surely you'd be saying like I was on the coke last night. Sure. Yeah, I just thought that was funny. That's fun. And like a fun like character choice from the writer for him to be saying that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was, that was yeah, just a funny moment. Um, that was, this is just, sorry, these thoughts are coming to me randomly as I look at my notes. This is just something that was not to do with the show. Mm. So it was um, not to do with the show, but at the end of the show, the upstairs, um, whatever was happening upstairs at the Butterfly Club ended. Mm. And everyone comes downstairs and they're always a bit loud. Uh, but these... This group sat at the, the on the couches directly at the top of the stairs. Oh no! And started having a really loud conversation. Yeah. And this space is small. Yeah. And this space is quite echoey. Mm-hmm. And it was it's two actors doing some like emotional work upstage because at this point of the show, I won't spoil the conflict that, that arises, but they're they're having an argument about the logistics of moving to London and moving to New York and um, whether their relationship is something they can really keep going. It's like a friendship. Um, because, you know, if one of them moves to New York and one of them doesn't, how is that going to work? Mm-hmm. Um, so this conversation starts happening upstairs. Yes. And you can see the audience getting really miffed off. 
And at one point, a girl gets up in front of me, walks to the back of the stage, back of the theatre, up the stairs, and I can hear her tell them off. And they, they shut up, and then she comes back down, sits right back down, and continues on. And I just think, wow, good on you. Oh my god. Slay to you. I She's one of those powerful women. She's one of those powerful women that we mm. love. Yeah. I would never do it because I'd be too scared. But too scared of what? I don't know. Social ramifications. Okay. People seeing me move in a theatre. You know? You, you've walked into shows 20 minutes in. And I hated it. <laughs> Every time. Not enough not to do it. <laughs> That's a good point. Maybe I would do it if it kept going. Well, I just don't think it's social ramifications. I just think maybe you were afraid of the conflict happening at the top of the stairs once you get there. No, I think I was maybe just lazy. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, she didn't, so I didn't need to. Um, um, but I just thought that was like, good on you for heroic. doing that. That's yeah. great. Because so often I think people would just sit and let it happen. But no, she got to a point where she just got up and did it. Mm. It was fantastic. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Have you ever felt <laughs> the need to move to New York? The need? Yeah, the, I, I mean the need. Because that, that's what this show is. Because Mike's character very much feels like it is essential to his career, to his timeline, that he moves to New York, that he becomes a writer there. And then he has a five-year plan to be, like, a successful writer mm. in New York. Yeah, no. No, never a need. Never a no. need to move in. I think part of that, no, is because, like, growing up in Melbourne, being here, it's like there's a lot of, like, a lot of opportunity here. Yeah. And, and it, you, you don't feel like you're far from a lot of opportunities, at least in, like, the industry that I want to belong to. So totally. I think I'm very fortunate in that way. Totally. Um, but, yeah, I feel like if I were born somewhere a bit more, like, rural or far off or third mm. world or something, then I think maybe I would, yeah. Need to move. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. I just... It just, I found, I find it interesting that sort of compulsion, especially for younger people to need to move to New York. Mm. And I get like wanting to go there for a holiday, but everyone wants to move to New York. Mm. And I just, I don't know, I, I never felt it myself. Yeah. Um, but these two characters had such a desperate need to get out of, 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 I'm not sure if it was in Melbourne, but wherever they were mm. to get to New York and write. And, but you're right, there's so many opportunities in, like, cities here. It just felt a bit, oh. Yeah. I don't know. Well, even the fact of, like, on the, the you know, the, the back end of us having, like, you know, a few minutes ago been speaking about the idea of, like, tourism campaigns and stuff. Like, especially <laughs> yeah. if a person's never been to a place but feels that deep, uni- like, yearning to go there. Yeah. I wonder how much of that is a combination of, like, PR spin on, the, the you know, the number of, like, films that, and TV oh, shows. Oh, absolutely. La La Land. That's Los Angeles, but about how wonderful New York is. I've you know, seen La La Land. You've never seen La La Land? No, I've never seen La La Land. Smart. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, the idea of these places come to, like, exist as a thing that represents something that a person has, like, is craving. And as you were saying earlier, um, the thing that a person thinks that, like, if once they get there, then they'll be the person that they want to be mm. trying to get to these things. Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it makes sense that places exist like that for yeah. reasons that feel a bit more emotional. And I guess it makes sense that it appeals to, like, 18, 19, 20-year-old, like, Oh, to anybody to strike yeah. out yeah I just I don't know I've never felt that compulsion sure yeah but it was it was interesting seeing a show where it was two characters that did have that compulsion and they like explained it so thoroughly from mm. themselves so that, that was really good to have that explained to me because I now have a better grip on what I think that reasoning is okay yeah yeah um, they did the show in Fringe last year mm-hmm. so this is the second time the show has been done yeah um, and yeah I'm excited to see if they do it again what changes they'll make what, what, what tweaks will be happening um, yeah, I hope we get to see it. They seem like wonderful people. I really like Ned. Yeah, those um, performers were fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I really like to. I'd love to see Brody in like something where he gets to sort of be a diva. I don't know. I just I hear the way his. You want him to be a diva? A devious something. Oh, I just I think less dubious, more devious. Less dubious, more. De- I want to see devious intense. Uh huh. 
from which from is a bunch of Satanists going camping. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that is good. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, James. Oh, hi, James. Hey. Hi. I went to Theatre Works. I went there with Saxon. You know Saxon. I know Saxon. From being Saxon. Dental hygienist. Saxon. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's done with that. Now he's looking for a library job. If anyone's out there that needs a librarian. <laughs> Every time I hear about him, he's doing something different. He's, he's a wild guy. Good for Saxon. Yeah, good for Saxon. Great for Saxon. Um, yeah, I went to see all the rest at Theatre Works in St. Kilda. God, you did it. I did what? Well done. You saw all the rest. There's nothing left to see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the rest was the name of my year 12 media film. I can't talk about it. There's a lot of trauma connected to it. <laughs> so why'd you bring it up? <laughs> Don't know. It's great. I love the sound of that. Um, Finn McGrath wrote this show. It's okay. called All the Rest. It was directed by Sabina Girardi, and it happened at Theatreworks. Finn was also in the show. Finn was one half. I remember when that, that Finn and Lockie show was at that two. It was at oh, two hand. Yes, at Butterfly Club as well. Yes. 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 He was one half of those people. Which half was he? Which half? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Saxon and I are waiting to go into the theatre because that's where the play is going to be. Yeah, I'm familiar, I'm familiar. Yeah, then they start letting a, like a bunch of people in to go and see the show and sit in the seating bank and so watch it. So far, this is and really then interesting. The reason I'm bringing it up is like you also brought up what you had for dinner before you saw yeah, the show. Yeah, and I'm reacting just... like you did to me, okay? And I understand the feedback. Yeah, <laughs> I'm being too detailed <laughs> and boring. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we're about to go in and then the doors get shut in our faces. Oh. <laughs> yeah, not what? with aggression, but that's more drama for the story. Love it. Um, because they're letting us in in chunks. They're chunking us in. Oh, stop saying chunk. Chunk? <laughs> um, the last time we were chunked into theatre works was that show that was about... It was a pretend real estate show. Well, it started as if they were trying to sell us a house and we went inside of it and ended up being that show about all of those people in that, like dystopic future. In the big circle? Were you in a big circle? Not a big circle. We were just allowed to roam around as much as we wanted and everyone was too scared to move around and it was very smoky. Oh! (laughs) Yeah, anyway. Cool. (laughs) Uh, Why were you allowed in chunks? In chunks because we were greeted on the other side of the doorway by a person that was showing us through a gallery, which is a docent? Is that the name of that job? Oh, I've got no idea. That's a great word. I think it's a docent. So we were being... I don't know if that's just museum specific or it can also be galleries. But yeah. Gallerist? (laughs) Or are they the people that put the galleries together? Who puts a gallery together? Like, as in curates the gallery. That's a curator. So what's a gallerist? You just made that word up, and now you're asking me if there's an answer. It's a real word. You keep talking, I'm just going to look up this word. Okay, you Google gallerist, and I'll sit here and talk to myself. Good. And sweet, sweet listener. So sweet listener, don't tell James I'm telling you this. That person who owns an art gallery or who shows and sells artists' work in galleries is called a gallerist. What's a docent? Uh, Let's look it up. Uh, a docent, uh, a member of a teaching staff immediately below professorial rank, or a person who acts as a guide, typically on a voluntary basis, uh, in a museum, art gallery, or zoo. Oh, so look at us go. So the docent is the one that gives you a tour of the gallerist's gallery. The docent slash gallerist met us once we entered the theatre. Definitely and then <laughs> Definitely the docent. The docent <laughs> showed us, and then like pointed out these like tall black rectangular paintings that were affixed to the walls and sort of like encouraged us to inspect them with our minds um, for a while then (laughs) what do you mean inspect them with your minds thinking (laughs) (laughs) so you could just say thinking what (laughs) (laughs) Um, inspect this book with my mind Um, we get shown in, and then sort of like the end of the pretend tour is us walking onto the set of he the said show with disdain. That wasn't disdain. <laughs> it sounded like it. it was me trying to be precise. Wait, so where's the gallery in <laughs> Theatreworks? You know how you walk around the back of the seating bank? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the two paintings we pass, they're both tall black oblongs and they are in that walkway. Like right. On the wall on your left. Okay, yep, 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 yep. 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 Um, yep. And then we get filed onto the stage itself, like the performance space where mm-hmm. the set is. Mm-hmm. And it sort of ends there. Um, and then we're sort of like directed to go sit in the seating bank so that the show can start. Cool. <laughs> cool detail. It's a, well, it's a, it's a detail they like settled upon and put it in the show. And you know what we do here, James? We talk about theatre and the choices oh, therein. Oh, God. So it would be pretty like, abs- like absurd to leave that I out. I just meant the choice of directing you to the seating bank. So there's no need to <laughs> leap out at me like this. <laughs> I thought the gallery was cool. <laughs> I think that sounds like a cool addition. Yeah, I think anything that like mixes up the way that the show starts is good because, it, you know, I don't know. It's, oh, totally. It sets famously, you up to be a bit like, oh. Famously love a preset. Oh, <laughs> stop it! Sorry, too late. <laughs> it's begun. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then we sit down and then the show starts. And so we're in a gallery. That's the setting that the show begins in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we sort of we meet James and her friend. <laughs> okay. Oh, um, James for a girl. James for a girl. I love the name James for a girl. I'm just putting that out there right now. For a particular reason? No, I just think it sounds like a really pretty name for a girl. Okay. I just I've always thought James for a girl is lovely. Okay. I think that's the name of J- like what is it? Blake Lively's daughter is named James. I think we've had this conversation before, and you've told me that before. Okay, well, James in this show was played by Anna Kalida. Okay. Just letting you know. Thank you. <laughs> and so she's hanging out at this gallery because she is a, like, an art student of some sort. Like, she's a young artist. And there's a lot of, like, theme echo between this and dubious intent. Mm. So it's like, James is, like, this artist who wants to make something of herself and is a bit lost and feeling like the, a large theme of the show is feeling lost in your career and not knowing what you want to do mm. at sort of the very beginning of your adulthood and feeling like, yeah, as you said, you might get, like, swallowed up by yeah. it by your own life and so James is there and then he's waiting at midnight very cinderella at midnight we'll find out via email if she is the recipient of some sort of like art opportunity it's either like a grant or like a showing in a gallery space or something okay yeah, yeah, yeah. um and he's up against a few people one of whom is like one of her rivals is one that arrives sort of like midway through the first scene and it's like this fur adorned talented woman that speaks well Magnificent, um, and uh, and she is the artist that put together the gallery that we entered via, and is currently being shown in the gallery. The gallerist, the no, the artist. Okay. Yeah, the gallerist put together the gallery, showcasing the artist that has just entered and is a nemesis of James. And you were shown through by the docent. The docent showed us through. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and um, unfortunately, the theme of the work that is currently on the walls of the gallery is very, very similar to that that James was proposing for their potential artistic opportunity. Oh no! And it's part of what has deflated their optimism regarding what's going to happen with their like upcoming artistic opportunities. But what are the chances? Tiny. Teeny tiny. Teeny tiny like me. Oh. <laughs> Is that you oh, calling yourself skinny? Skinny. Okay. <laughs> Good for any, you. Any opportunity. <laughs> so we're at the gallery and then Finn's character, who's her best friend from, well, friend from high school. They have like a long-standing friendship since high school. She and Finn's character. And uh, he's very keen to like get out of the gallery so that they can go to a house party. That's the vibe of the evening. And oh, then yeah. eventually James gets worn down to the idea of like, okay, we can go now. I've done all my mingling. And then they go off to a house party. And uh, I want to point out the set. The set. Something that I appreciated about the set was um, similarly to a very naughty Christmas it had it had the capacity which is almost like almost like a kind of like a in my mind was kind of like a design gesture towards the type of cleanness that you often see on like a national theatre stage mm. in the way of like it made me think about that Vanessa Kirby version of Miss Julie for some reason I guess for the reason of like <laughs> 
having kind of like a flexible window-ish, door-ish space in the center. So it's kind of like, there's an L-shaped platform that comprises kind of like an onstage stage. And then atop that is kind of almost like a little shed. And there's a door that can open and shut on the front face of that shed. So you can shut it, change something about the insides, and then reopen that door again. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, the set was designed by Ruby Donato. And, yeah, I just thought that was, like, a sweet element of things. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I want to point out that um, Paolo Bartolome was in this show. And anytime he top, like pops up in anything, he always ends up being one of my favorite things about the thing. Because oh. he's just such a talented, charming man. Um, I, I just love the way that he like inhabits characters. He gets to play a couple of characters throughout the show, and I just I just get swept up in everything that he does. I think he's just oh, so because do you remember he was in like that theater works version of Medea that happened? Yep, it was one of the things. He was in that vampire show at the Bluestone Church. I just oh yeah yeah. I think I'm just going to end up I don't know ending up in things that adding he's into in. your gallery. And, uh, can we go? <laughs> You're a gallerist putting together a gallery of your of artists you love. I just, as that's like, fine. That's okay. As long that's as basically <laughs> what gallerists should be doing. Sure, that's good. I just I don't know. Every time you bring up the concept of me having a gallery full of actors that I'm obsessed with, it sounds vaguely like I'm Jake, constructing an asylum. You're a writer and director. You should have actors that you enjoy. As long as that's the tone we're coming at this with. Oh god, not... yeah. That, that, that's the. T- it's not a creepy lecherous thing. No, it's it's very much like an appreciation of work that you have. That's good. It's not another like one of the walls in my house getting taken up with a brand new shrine. That <laughs> wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Oh. Um, just, God. They get in an Uber, they head to the first house party. They get out, and it's the sort of thing where it's like James is not in the mood, but we've got to see if she manages to get swept up in the you know the magic that can happen in a oh, house party. Oh, we've been there, sister. <laughs> oh, um, sister. And speaking of relatable content, it's the I don't like saying relatable content. Yeah, yet here we are. But in terms of relatable content, <laughs> I. <laughs> Part of what is the allure for James to go to this house party is that a girl that she like hit it off with in the street a couple of days ago is promised to be at the first house party that they're going to. Street girl? Street girl. Hooray! So it's like, oh yay! <laughs> Young love could take flight. Oh, so it is like a romance thing. Potentially. Okay. It's like a thing where they had a, like a tarot card connection on the street and now they might get to like pick up where they left off. Hot. You know? You know? I love a tarot card connection. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Are you just saying that for the sake of saying something? or No, no, I do love a tarot card connection. I, I, I like tarot cards. What's a tarot card connection for uh, you? Well, for example, once is a, a very brief story is uh, when I was first meeting Flynn, I fell in love with him so deeply that I went crazy. And then at work, I was in like a period of time of doing like tarot readings for people. Mm. And like I did like a single tarot card reading stuff for people and we got to me and I was like, what's the future of my relationship going to be like with Flynn? And I pulled the lovers. And mm-hmm. that just was something that was quite nice. And then New Year's that just went by, we were doing tarot card stuff and we all went around and pulled like a single card to sort of see what our next year was going to be like. And um, Flynn pulled like Justice, I think. And then we all went around, shuffled the decks and kept going. And when it got to me, I also pulled Justice, which is... Oh my that's God. That's love. That's love. So I believe in a tarot card connection only because of those two reasons. They're good reasons though. They're, they're solid enough reasons. Yeah. So I'd love that. Well, do you remember anything about what the tarot card connection in the show was? It was just one of them read the tarot of the other and it was like, it seems like one of those things where it's like, you know, there's like, I feel like ships in the night is the wrong thing to call it, but it's just like, you have almost like it's two rocks striking up against each other and then there's some sort of spark that occurs, but it's so instantaneous and then you just like, then the two rocks get thrown in different lakes. It's just like one of those moments where it's like, oh, that person seemed magic, but I only got to speak to them for like 15 minutes. I think that is absolutely trains in the night. Ships in the night? I don't know what trains I, in the I night I always is. say trains in the night instead of ships in the night. I think it has to be ships because they're quieter. I think trains hear each other. But I think I say trains because there's been so many moments when like your train pulls up next to another train and you see like someone through the window that you make eye contact with and you go like, oh, 
You're beautiful. And then the trains just pull away. <laughs> Are we going to fuck? Is this how love works? But I feel like is, that is much better than like a distant ship. And you're going, I think there's someone on that ship. But that's why I think ships in the night doesn't count. It's because like trains in the night is what this would be because they do see each other and have a connection. Oh. Ships in the night, isn't that almost like when you're living with a person but you have opposite schedules so you never see each other? Like isn't that ships oh, in the night? Oh, that's what ships in the night. So my, imp- my I've always thought train... That's why I've always said trains and that because I've always thought that expression is all about like you see someone have a beautiful connection but then it's ripped away before you can do anything about it. Well, and it's interesting too that it being nighttime has no bearing on your train experience. I mean, it is always more romantic when it's nighttime. It? <laughs> <laughs> it has to be night for the vibe. For the vibe, you know. <laughs> for the content. <laughs> um, they, they, they go there in an Uber. <laughs> Which I'm only saying because Josh is in the night. Sorry, Josh Blake plays the Uber driver, and throughout the show, Josh is one of like the, the, the one of one of the best things about it. I think partly mm. just because like it's got a, this beautiful voice, a very flexible performer, very versatile, and yeah, which is like a yeah a real Fabulous. delight to see on stage. How do they do the Uber on stage? I'm just curious. It was a couch that got wheeled on, and oh. there were little torches tucked under the cushions to be the headlights. Oh my god, that's fantastic! It was that's super really nice. <laughs> um, yeah, no. So then they go to a house party. House party sort of occurs for a while. There's a DJ, there's lights, and then they go to a second house party. Oh. Um, and then there's like different people, different DJ lights again. But it's, and then they decide to do acid. And so the the acid point of the play is the point at which it kind of like splinters and sort of falls apart for a while. So we get to, yeah, right. you know, it hits that point And then we're sort of like taken with James into this vignette moment of just like a series of sort of like surreal takes on themes that are present for James in there. Oh, that's, current that's, situation that's fun and there were like glimpses of like Pulp Fiction and there were glimpses of 500 Days of Summer and there was like the cinematic component brought into it um, like because a lot of these like acid visions would get initiated by someone doing one of those clapboards and being like action oh. was an, an element of it that's which a fun choice it's something and I guess there was something in the thought of like it brings in this third component because we're already watching a piece of theatre about like painting mm. art like visual art, yeah, and then there's this film version that then comes. So it's almost like three art forms. I wonder why they went one piece film and not like some other sort of like painting artistic sort of. Yeah, I couldn't work it out, but yeah, that was uh, that. Um, but yes, and then uh, yeah, things happen with the like the potential romantic portion of like the character journey that I I won't spoil it like a toilet. <laughs> um, I hate it every time you say that. Um, and I'd say, uh, I don't know, there was a nice book ending, like, Saxon and I, a lot of, like, what we talked about when we were leaving the show, talked about, like, the, because Saxon is currently working on a script, and so we were talking about some of the, 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 the way that the script functions, and mm. how, like, how, like, a comfortable script functions, if, like, for an audience, and one of the things that this show did was to have, kind of, like, some, some neat, sort of, like, bookendy symbolism happening, mm. um, and the idea of, like, the ending being buried in the beginning a little bit, which is, like, what a neat, sort of, like, familiar feeling story always tends to do yeah right um which was like one of the functional things that that we talked about that was present in the work um and there was like really sweet just like very like and this partly comes back to my obsession with paolo but this very like warmly lit sort of like a conversation at the end between james and paolo's character at the time and the things that the two characters kind of say about like the point of friendships and and uh, yeah and and existing as an artist and making work and similarly again to the content of dubious intent maybe this show having a bit more optimism about it the idea of like making your work for the sake of you wanting to make it and the people that like it will find it and that's like they're the people that will gravitate towards like what you Mm. do and as long as you like what you put out someone else is bound to like it and as we've talked about on this podcast 
that's not even the point of making art. Is not the, the point of it isn't for people to like it. Yeah, it's for the sake of it to say something that you want to say and for you to share something you want to share. Oh, baby! <laughs> um, you interrupted yourself. <laughs> that sounds like um, a really lovely positive uh, message. It was it was cool stuff to hear from like young artists talking about making art and for that to be a thing that at least this like community telling this story of sort of I don't know decided to celebrate together the idea of like making art if it's a thing that you want to do and telling stories oh, that you want to tell. So nice to have a positive version of that. Well, somewhat. Yeah. It seemed also to like there was like the, the dichotomy established between the idea of like um, as again as you were just talking about like being lost in a cubicle or being like a poor creative, you know, yeah, and then of God. course being like a false binary, yes. but it, it being one that is also of course very present during the like the young days of choosing an, like a life in the creative industries. God. Yeah. Why isn't it easier, Jack? Why isn't it easier? Why isn't it Spoken like a true lazy person. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? I'd get up to hit you, but you're too far away. <laughs> yeah. That sounds lovely. Yeah. I particularly like the Uber. You like the Uber? Yeah, it sounds cute. <laughs> <laughs> I like structurally the Uber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there were a lot of like cute little stage bits like that. Was, yeah. God, that's, I love it when there's a neat stage bit. Yeah? Yeah, I think it, just, it, make, it can make something feel polished. Just some like one or two or three little clever stage tricks just pulled off quickly. I think it can make things feel elevated and polished. 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 <laughs> Is the word I use. Great. 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 I just have an aversion to polish generally, but that's my taste. Oh, sure. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. I just, I don't know. I, I prefer quaintness. Sure. I think there's a place for both in one piece of work. I think you can have both. That's a fun thing to pose to like a year 11 theatre studies class. But that's not where we are right now, are we? <laughs> you calling me dumb? No! I'm saying I'd like to hear what a bunch of like 16 year olds would say about can quaintness and polishedness exist in the same work? Why not a 28 year old sitting in front of you? I guess if he has the sensibilities and has read as many books as a 16 year old, I guess I could pose the same question. Well, then so James! Never mind! <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry! <laughs> Forget I said anything. Hello, James. Oh God, what are you doing? Are you trying to Why? talk? Do you have a stutter? It's the jazz man. Oh. That's what I assume the show is about. About men who do jazz? And then do cymbal sounds with their mouths? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you yeah. got it in one. <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> um, so I went to see jazz men. Did ya? At the Athenaeum. Oh, at the Athenaeum. Yeah, the Athenaeum. Okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, God, the Athenaeum is so beautiful. It's a great theater. Oh my God, I went by myself and then I, it meant that I could spend like a bunch... Loser. James, don't whisper loser. <laughs> don't whisper. I'm doing my best. <laughs> um, but yeah, went there, got there early, of course, and then so I got to spend some time in the beautiful Athenaeum looking at like the really old photos of the Athenaeum, like in the past that are on the walls. Oh, yeah. Okay. And it was like this beautiful photo of it looking pretty identical to how it looked like in the 30s. Oh, wow. I'm realizing, of course, they could have just taken a photo yesterday and then put it in black and white and said it was in the 30s underneath the photo. But I don't think that's what they I did. Don't, I don't think they would do that. No. But I guess it's like a hundred year old at least theater, which is wild. Yeah, God, we do have some big old theaters here, don't we? We sure does. But yeah, no. So that was that. And then, yeah, went inside and sat down. I was one of the first ones in, but I was also on the end of the row, which meant a lot of getting up and letting people through. <laughs> <laughs> What a journey. But that's on me. And so sat there, read my book, and then what's happening during like the pre-show music. So I have about like 20 minutes of sitting in this chair before the show starts. And and all of the pre-show music, literally wall-to-wall, -wall, all of the pre-show music okay. was just Michael Bublé. <laughs> yes! Terrific! Incredible! What a choice! Oh they God. said, what's jazz? Michael Bublé. 
That's it crap. was the best. It just got me in such like a silly mood. I just that's really great. Um, and yeah, it, it I it also I found a new Michael Bublé song that I love. Oh, it's called Baby I'll Wait. And not to pepper this episode with just recommending songs to you, but it was really good. I love when Michael Bublé incorporates a choir. Oh I, yeah, he does it sparingly, but when he does it, he does it. You know, <laughs> when he goes grand, it's really good. Oh, fabulous! Yeah, okay. is it like one of his more recent songs? I th- yeah, it's one of, like one of his like recent "No One Cares About It" albums. It's after he really started leaning into Christmas. <laughs> yeah, he really emerges from his coffin at Christmas, doesn't he? Uh, less than Mariah, but I feel like I don't know. He's a I don't know. Oh no, I, he, just... I reckon he makes most of his money at Christmas. Yeah. Do you think so? I think so. Yeah. Imagine how many times his his music is streamed during Christmas. Sure, sure. Just alone. God, God, he just makes you feel warm, doesn't he? He makes you feel relaxed and sexual. I just every time we talk about Michael Bublé, I just get angry about his version of Santa Baby. A Santa buddy. Santa Pally. <laughs> just fuck him. Just <laughs> have sex with Santa. Man yeah, up. we'll leave the song alone. Yeah, just let the pussycat dolls do it. <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> so tell me about the jazz man. <laughs> um, so it's by Robert Sturrock, who runs like like dance classes and is very much embroiled in like producing cool like dance works Ooh, is my understanding of who okay. Robert Starrick and his like whole enterprise is which is great I had no idea what this show was the subtitle for it is The Embodiment of Desire oh so Jasmine essentially colon The Embodiment of Desire you've seen a lot of sexy shows yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it's happening to me I'm a real victim <laughs> Yeah, that's what you should be saying. Um, as people were coming in, um, it, it became, I came up before, the dance world is not a world I belong to. <laughs> I don't think I ever will necessarily. But it's like, it's, it was interesting to sort of observe because I didn't know what it was, the show. Like, I didn't know, mm. th- because I didn't know until I was there that it was kind of like attached to a dance school. Um, oh, you know, okay. in, a, in a, what seems to be a very high end one. Like the mm. performance quality was really, really high. Yeah. But it wasn't until I was there because I, I didn't know if it was going to be like a bunch of like, was it going to be like a very naughty Christmas audience? You know, like it's the embodiment of desire. Is it going to be a lot of people hoping for like a lot of burlesque? Like, yeah, a, is it a horny crowd? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't know, but yeah, it was much more distinctly like a dance crowd. It was a lot of like very good postures. It was a lot of oh. like I don't know, very I don't know. I have people ready for like verbal fights. Oh, we don't belong there. <laughs> Just, yeah, I, I, amongst a dance audience, I always feel my most. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah, like yeah. a mannequin being puppeteered by a mannequin. A li- sort of. I almost, I, I tend to end up feeling kind of like a dizzy hippopotamus that's just like, but they think they're like convincing all the gazelles yes. around them that they are a gazelle as well. Oh, I love to eat grass. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like I wore a tie so you can't tell that I just fell down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That yeah. is you in most scenarios. Though. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yes, no. So then, yeah, get in there. The buble stops. Devastating. Damn it. <laughs> um, and then the show begins. And then it's like, it's this collection of men all dressed identically, and this woman is running the entire thing. So Beck Chapman is like the MC for the thing. She comes out in the glitteriest outfit I've ever seen. Which yes. Is, it's the best fabric to choose. You yes. Can, you need to pick a color for that dress you'll be wearing. Sparkles. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I want to be the light. And yeah, one of my favorite devices ever is going through cast by cast member and like saying their name and like bringing up a thing about them, just like and like a spotlight hitting them and being like, "This is Brett. This is Keith." What thing are they Ke- saying about them? They're like, "What sort of stuff is it?" Like, "This is Brett. He." Oh, just kind of sweet, funny things. Just like yeah, just like little harmless kind of like throwaway gags. Oh yeah, this is okay. Yeah, and while she says it, they do like a little dance move. Oh, that's fun. You know, and it's the beginnings of, like, developing this relationship with them as an audience member, you yeah, know? Yeah, that's fun, that's fun, that's fun. Yeah. Um, 
part of what I wanted to, like, throughout and then coming out of it thinking about was, like, how much I love this as a genre of, like, of course, showcases one of my favorite genres of you theater. love a showcase. Love a showcase. But then on top of that, it's jazz. It's proper, was it proper, like, jazz? I'm not a dance guy, so I, I just have to assume. I grew up watching a lot of my sister's jazz concerts. And it's like, and that's sort of the thing, like, I don't know what the definition of jazz dancing is, but I love whatever it is. If this is what jazz is, which is what I think it is, they are the jazz men. <laughs> well, I think it's when they dance, uh, the, the, they dance the notes that aren't played. Sure. Is what jazz <laughs> dancing is. But that's the thing. Like, it's jazz. And it's like, it's even different to the idea of like, so it's like, it's pop music. Pop music is just playing. Oh. And the, what do you mean? Oh. I just assumed it would be jazz music. Well, well, no. So it's like pop music, rock music. It's just like any genre of music, really. It seems to be like largely lyric based. Like it's a lot of like lyrical songs. Okay. Um, and then they, as dancers, kind of engage with the song in a way that may like elevate some component of like the story element of the song mm. or something lyrically about the song. It was like the vibe of the thing. Sure. Um, but what's interesting about it is it's like, it's different to like, I'd say like the closest familiar thing to it. Um, and stop me if I sound like I'm talking to you as if you don't need this explained to you, like, sweet listener or James. <laughs> I think I do need it explained, it's, so it's fine. It's almost the thing of, like, you know, like, in a musical, where it's, like, mm. the lead will sing and then the ensemble will dance around them. Mm. It's almost as if, like, you rip the lead out and it's just the ensemble left. And they're then left group in charge of conveying the content of the song. But because there's no narrative around it, it's just like, okay, now we're going to do this song as a group. And we've taken this energy from the song and now we're all going to dance that energy to you. (laughs) So what you've just done is you have just explained what group dance is. (laughs) But but I'm explaining it in the sense of like, I want you to celebrate jazz with me. (laughs) So imagine, right? (laughs) Like a whole group of people. But I think part of it too is like, it's so... While being so ensemble, it's so individualistic. Mm, okay. in that, at least in this part of what made Jasmine so fun Jasmine. was like the I, like the way that you got to. It felt like you got to know all of them because Aww. it seems like there's no pressure on them all sharing an identity or sharing the same vibe of things. Like everyone can bring to the piece like elements of their personality. It wasn't like drilled. You all need to be identical. Yes. Yeah. And yeah there yeah, was yeah. room for everyone to kind of had their own pizzazz. And because it's attached to a school, presumably it's like. There's you don't filter out the quirky ones. There's like like everyone in the cast was like memorable because there was like different stuff going on. There was different like body types and different facial expressions and different like personalities on Mm. show. And there didn't seem to be an effort to like strip that away and have them all just be identical dance bots. Yes, which is so often the case. Well, yeah, sometimes. It's like this, and I think that's part of what I love about jazz is the fact (laughs) that it feels like you're getting to know these people. I just love hearing you say how much you love jazz. Um, That's so lovely. (laughs) What were they all... You said they're all dressed identically. It's just like black. What are they wearing? It would change between shows. They're different numbers. Oh, Oh, yeah, they were getting changed constantly. James, it was the goddamn best. Every number was my favourite number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... Part of what I realized, and this is a tiny moment, I realized how much I think that the funniest song that made... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just love what you... Okay, go on. I think the funniest song ever made might be... <laughs> <laughs> Can I guess? Can I guess? Guess the song. <laughs> is it, um... Is it, is it, uh... No, I can't guess. What is it? <laughs> I think it's that song... <laughs> Come and check your body, baby. Do the conga. <laughs> Ha <laughs> 
I mean, to, to use in a dance show, that's very funny. I think to use it all, it's so, like, the words are so impossibly so fast. aggressively quick. Come on, oh God. And the way that it's like, she stops singing for a second, and then she's, somehow the tone of the song, like, points at you. Do that conga beat, and then it's, like, then it's just mu- like music, and it's almost like a spotlight hits you as the listener, and you're meant to be like, Oh my god. You're absolutely right. That is the energy of the song. It's like, all eyes on me. <laughs> Time to shimmy, boys. Yeah, and it sounds very serious. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I know about you? <laughs> you can't control yourself. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a, that's a really funny <laughs> That would have been a very upbeat dance, I suppose. It was incredible. <laughs> um, there was an interval. Fuck yes! I have never been so happy that there was an interval, just in terms of, like, there's going to be more of this. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I was right. It wouldn't be too short. And then, but I assumed, oh, it's just like a jazz, they're just showing a bunch of jazz dancers. Why would they have an interval? Can't they just like only choose enough to fill an hour? No. <laughs> they had too much material. <laughs> too much talent. So 20 minutes in the middle to recoup. Oh my God. Did you, did, what did you do to recoup? Oh my God. I just was like, I'm so glad I'm here. <laughs> um, the last quarter of the show was all songs to do with rain out of nowhere. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let, me, let me think of some songs. Go so there was, um, uh, let it rain on me. That's you misremembering Hillary Duff's Come Clean. That was not in it. <laughs> oh, okay, never mind. Um, there was Singing in the Rain. Oh, Set Fire to the Rain? Um, no. There oh. a, I imagine this was all left on the cutting room floor. Yeah, okay. Singing okay. in the Rain. Singing in the Rain. Of Umbrella course. was in there. Oh, of course. Um, rain on me. Tsunami. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, the last quarter of it was all... <laughs> Apropos of nothing, just rain. Just, yeah, and no one mentioned it. It was just like, oh, now we're doing the rain part. Did they, were they dressed, like, for rain? The costumes kept changing, James. But, but, but I know. <laughs> but were some of them, like, raincoats for, like, singing in the rain? Um, no, I don't think a raincoat ever happened. It was all, like, a bunch of skimpier. Like, it was a lot of outfits that would let you see the shapes of their bodies. So oh, that when yeah. they were moving them, you could see it happen. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I don't know. Um, much like Shay Debney in A Very Naughty Christmas, Nathan McLaughlin was, like, the token... Delightful short one <laughs> that would often be Love used as like sight gags. He was dressed as a cherub for the last little portion. Oh, it was really, really that's sweet. Really nice. <laughs> what? How? Hang on. How? What sort of age are we talking? Like, how old is? is I would it? say they're all between like twenty and thirty. I'd say. Oh sure. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Like very much across that span. Yes. Though. Yes. 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 Yeah. Um. <laughs> um. I want to point out. I, th- I thought Cameron Davy was like. I feel like everyone left the show with a soulmate, and I think Cameron Davy was mine. <laughs> it just seemed like each different person, like I don't know, resonated with different people. It was just like I don't know. It was sweet because again, it felt like this thing where you're almost like speed dating a bunch of dancers. Wow. And it's like yeah, I don't know. And because again, because there's so much diversity in this collection of people, there's someone for like, everyone. There's someone for everyone. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, that's lovely. It's so nice that there's such a gr- amount of diversity in a dance show. Completely. Yeah. And it does that thing of that phenomenon that we're yet to name the thing where it's like there's one person in every like musical ensemble mm. where it's like if I'm sick of the plot I can watch what you're doing yeah what, what are we going to call that we'll find a name we'll for it eventually but yeah that, Cameron Davy was that for me lovely um yeah and <laughs> yeah I just also want to like 
One embarrassing, one embarrassing thing. One of the several embarrassing things that happened to me throughout watching this show. Terrific. I had a lot of what felt like very like stupid <laughs> epiphanies throughout the show. One of them being, I love jazz. <laughs> <laughs> and this song's funny. <laughs> um, they did a number to You Can Leave Your Hat On. That oh, Joe yeah, Cocker song yeah, 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 from The yeah, Full yeah. Monty. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I've long thought that that was one of the best songs ever written. I've just like, even before, like before I saw The Full Monty, I heard that song and I was like, this song's incredible. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, How's it go? <laughs> Didn't expect to have that ready. <laughs> so fast. Baby, take off your shoes. Is that the one they do The Full Monty to? Yes. Yeah, okay. So they did a number to that song. And like, it was something about the fusion of like, this cast being so good, me being at a jazz concert, not fully understanding why, and then this perfect song playing, I truly started to cry. Very, very, Shake. very lightly. But I was like, there was something about the way that everything came together. And while it was happening, I was like, I felt it be embarrassing. I was like, Jake. <laughs> This is, this is fucking stupid. This is a jazz number to You Can Leave Your Hat On. You're around dance people. Don't embarrass yourself. No, no, that's lovely. But it's like also, I was too lost in the magic yeah, of it. Yeah, no, that, like, that's... I had tears in my eyes. You were moved to tears. That's and really I nice. I could not even hammer you down as to why it happened. But I was oh, like, I was moved. It makes total sense for you. For me. Because you're... Wrong in the coconut, you are. Yes. <laughs> um, yes, my coconut's full of jelly beans. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's but so lovely. So stupid. What a stupidly nice night for you. It was true heaven. Do you yeah. think you're, you're glad you went alone? Um, oh, no, I would have liked, I would have liked to have shared it yeah. with someone. Okay. So that we could talk about how, because I know a handful of people that, yeah, that would enjoy it in a similar way to me, I think. Yeah, I right. think some people would go and be like, well, that was odd. <laughs> Like, what do you mean you knew no one in that? Why were we at that? Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no. But there are people that I could go with and we would have similarly, like, profound experiences. That's so lovely. Yeah. Anyway, any questions about Jasmine, the embodiment of desire? Why did you feel like desire was sufficiently embodied? (laughs) I would say so, for sure. Yeah. 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 I was brought to tears by a jazz number. I think there was enough... Desire. Yeah. Yeah, it moved me more than I expect. I, yeah, I, again, went in knowing so little, didn't know what was going to happen, and came out a changed man. <laughs> <laughs> Not changed enough for my life. No, no, but I'll keep working on that. <laughs> Good, see more jazz. <laughs> Wowzies. Hurrah. Hmm. We did it. We did. Um, oh, I think I forgot to say, Beck Chapman, just to go back to Jasmine, which is where I mentally will be for a yeah, few days to come. Apparently. Beck Chapman, the MC, danced a bunch, sang a bunch. She, she sang, to keep talking about Buble for a moment, she sang Fever, that Margot Buble song. You give me fever. Yes. And I think there's something magical about that song that I didn't think of until I saw Beck doing it, where it was like, I think everyone, I think anyone could do a really interesting version of Fever. I think it's because I feel like it's almost in everyone's vocal range. Mm. And I think it's because the show, the, the song itself is a bit sexy. Oh, God, yeah. It's like, I would just kind of love to see everyone do a version of Fever. So everyone has to do a cabaret. Yes. And in that cabaret, everyone has to do a version of Fever. And maybe every, the trailer for everyone's cabaret could be them doing Fever. And based on their Fever, you could go and see their cabaret if you wanted. Because I think it's very revealing. I think the way you would do a performance of Fever... How would you do a performance of Fever? You'd have to see it. I wouldn't know. From the inside, I wouldn't know what I was conveying to you. Hmm. 
Um, but yeah, but I think it would have to almost be like very stripped back. I think it's like, you know, in like Chicago, like the movie Chicago, yep. where Renee Zellweger is doing Roxy and at the start it's just her in that sparkly dress alone in the dark, like the dark theater Oh, space. that would be you in a sparkly dress. I think that's how everyone has to start and then you can add adornments if you want to, but I think that's what you're given. Oh, you're great. You're given like a vacuum Chicago space. And you're then you have to sing terrifying Fever. void. Yes, <laughs> a sparkly dress and you have to sing Fever. <laughs> So you liked Jasmine. I, yes. Anyway, <laughs> this episode's over. <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Is there anything you want to talk about before we wrap this thing up? Uh, I, I guess not really personally, but I guess we should should say the exciting thing that we're doing once again this year, the, the annual Praise Dionysus Midsummer. Oh, the Midsummer. yes. <laughs> Midsummer is here. We are doing the Midsummer again. Mm. Um, yeah, bigger and better than ever. Absolutely. Yeah. Very excited. Um, yeah, seeing everything that we can during the Midsummer Festival in Melbourne. That is it, like literally the beginning. The we're about to we're going to finish. We're this going recording. there now. Yeah. We're, yeah. Once we stop recording this, we are getting on a train and going to yeah. It's <laughs> a carnival. The carnival. So we'll see you there. Yes, and we're going to be like putting out a lot of episodes about it. There's a lot to get through, and also we'll be releasing like quite steadily throughout. The, is it like three weeks almost? Uh, yes, until January the 11th is when the festival ends. Right. Yeah. February the 11th. Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah, we'll be putting out a bunch up until then. So yeah, please yeah. <laughs> listen to as, like, as much of it as you want to we're really excited to get to experience this with you sweet sweet listener yeah there's so much um, on yeah and, the, and like, our Instagram as well will have a lot of stuff because a lot of what we'll be seeing is like visual art and so yes. a lot of that is more like more effectively conveyed unless you want to hear us go ooh there was a picture of a person <laughs> and there was a picture of another person <laughs> I liked the blue one. Oh, <laughs> yeah that was more teal to me oh yeah, probably not really good for vocal mm. um, but yeah but yeah, yeah come along along this, uh, this big queer adventure with us yeah stay tuned yeah very um, excited guys yeah anyway yeah as always thank you so much for spending your time with us um, as usual we, we may already disagree with everything we just said yes yeah we're human beings and our opinions change and grow that's the whole point of being a human being mm-hmm. but uh, I will never not love jazz <laughs> dance no, that's one thing that you can you can absolutely say for certain <laughs> yes um, um, and friends don't let friends become theatre critics absolutely not it's just something that you should not do in good conscience <laughs> indeed alright well yeah alright off to be queer here we go! Oh. Here we go, motherfuckers! Come and check out my baby, do that conga! Da da da!